Alisader again. Navarro's continuing his run. He doesn't need it. Ignacio Alisader. Scintillating football by the Chicago Fire. Federico Navarro weaving his way through. And it's in. All right, everybody, welcome in to a historic edition of the Intercontinental Football Show. We have our first ever interview. Yes, for those of you who are getting sick of just listening to me and Arlo, you finally will get to hear another voice. That's not A-dubs, and it is none other than the next head coach of Chicago Fire FC, the 10th head coach in franchise history, the former assistant of the Columbus Crew, Seattle Sounders, LA Galaxy, a man who has 15 major trophies to his name, both as a player and a coach. It is my pleasure to introduce Ezra Hendrickson as the first ever interview on the pod. Ezra, we have no idea how this is going to go. It could be a complete and utter disaster. So you're a brave man and welcome onto the pod. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me, guys. Uh, I'm sure it'll go well. I, I trust you guys. <laughs> <laughs> We've been waiting five months for you, Ezra, but you're finally here. Uh, firstly, congratulations on this appointment this is this is the kind of the crowning moment of your coaching career having had such a great uh, playing career in major league soccer how did it come about what were the conversations what convinced you that chicago was was the team for you well uh, first of all i just want to say uh thanks for the chicago um the ownership and organization for entrusting in me this this task you know to lead this team going forward um, I'm very, very, very uh, elated. I'm very happy for this. This I'm honored uh, to be in this in this light right now. As far as how it came along, it's just you know they contacted uh, the Columbus Crew and asked for permission to speak with me. And in the initial uh, stages, it was just a Zoom conversation like this, you know, where I sat down with four different guys: uh, the sporting director, the technical director, uh, and a couple other guys, and we just talked. You know, it was more of a back and forth conversation uh, than uh, an interview. Um, and then the process went on and then um, they went, they selected three guys to come into Chicago for uh, the final interview, three finalists. And we had to go in and just basically present uh, our philosophy, uh, talk about our style of play, talk about, you know, how we can uh, bring change to the organization. And, and so that was it. And then, you know, from those three uh, finalists, they, you know, I was chosen as the guy going forward. So um, it was a my first time ever uh, interviewing in person for uh, for a head coaching position in the league. Last year, I did a, a Zoom interview with uh, DC United, but due to COVID, you know, I couldn't really go into the room and 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 do an actual presentation. So it's always much easier, much. Uh, convincing if you can be in person and can really you know have you know a, a dialogue uh with your prospective employers uh so it was it was good to have the opportunity to uh, make the final three and then uh, being the chosen one Ezra just as far as you know your own uh philosophies about the game and you know we 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 see so much uh, across world football now that that so many different coaches that that are successful across the world whether it be in the Premier League whether it be in Major League Soccer wherever they they all have their own interpretation of the game you have yet to really have that opportunity to put Ezra Hendrickson's stamp on a team. Yes, you were the head coach of Seattle Sounders too, Tacoma Defiance, but you were sort of at the at the request of the first team and it wasn't totally your side. You now have this opportunity to put Ezra Hendrickson's stamp on a team and, and your philosophies and how you see the game. How does Ezra Hendrickson see the game of football? Well, I mean, the game is very simple. 
Um, and as cliche as this might sound, it's going to be a possession based um, because without the ball, your chances of scoring is, is rare. You know, you have to uh, hope for an opportunity, a rare own goal or something like that. But uh, so the, the object is to have the ball and when you have it to keep it, you know, so it's going to be possession based, but not just possession for the sake of keeping possession, but a progressive type of possession where we're trying to get forward. We're trying to uh, break lines, get through the thirds and get into the attack as quickly as possible, um, because I think it's a way of dominating the game. Uh, the premise of, of, of playing like this is I think you have more control. You control the tempo of the game. And when you have the ball and you have it in their half, it's so much uh, more easier uh, to score, uh, do the ultimate, which is, is scoring. Uh, the ultimate is to win the game. And in order to win the game, you have to score. So I think possession in the front half, in the opponent's defensive half is, is something that, you know, you will see this team uh, try to do every game, game in and game out. And it'll be beautiful soccer. Uh, the, what, it's gonna, what you're going to see is when we have the ball, making enough space. And when we don't have it, closing the space. Um, so it's going to be a hardworking team because possession is not only keeping the ball, but it's when you do lose it, how quickly can you recover? And so that would be an emphasis also, not just possession, but the recovery uh, when you don't uh, have possession of the ball. So Ezra, there's going to be an element of of pressing because we we talk a lot about pressing football these days and and the success that the likes of Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, you know, the, the, one of the godfathers of of that genre, uh, Ralph Ragnick is now the manager of Manchester United. Is how how important is that organised press um, in your in your philosophy and your and your uh, approach to the game? Well, it's very important, um, but the key for me in the whole pressing and pressure there's always going to be high pressure. Now, there might not be always be high press because I think when you talk about high press, that's the location on the field. Where are you pressing? Like the front, you know, third. Uh, but there's always going to be pressure. So wherever we decide the line of confrontation will be, if we're going to, some games we're going to press high, but the, all, the, high, the pressure is always going to be high pressure. May not always be high press. So sometimes we'll drop back maybe 10 yards above the top of the circle. But once they reach that line of confrontation, the pressure will always be high. So you're not always going to see a high press, but you always see high pressure depending uh, from game to game. You know, uh, let's say, for instance, we're playing a Red Bull. It might not be a high press because they're going to kick the ball to you anyway. So there's no really need to <laughs> go and try to press high and no disrespect to their way of playing. But it's just, you know, you know how they play. They're going to kick it long and then they're going to try to come press you. So if we're playing like a New York, then maybe it might not be a high press, you know, we might drop back and let them kick it and get organized so we can win the first and seconds as opposed to playing, you know, let's say a LAFC or a Galaxy, a team that more want to possess it. Then maybe we try to high press them so they don't get into the flow of the game. So it, it depends on, on, on the team, but there's always going to be high pressure because the way we're going to defend, having high pressure is key because it just makes it predictable for the guys behind. You know, a lot of times, you see teams take goals and, you know, the, the back four or the goalkeeper gets blamed. But a lot of times the people in front of them are not really putting pressure on the ball. So uh, it's not it doesn't it's not easy. It makes it hard for a back four if there's no pressure on the ball to, to defend. And in, and in this league where you have speedy forwards, speedy wingers, you always got to have, you know, high pressure. Uh, that meaning wherever you decide your line of confrontation is, once the, the team reaches there, then you have to have pressure on the ball and Pressure is a yard, a yard and a half max away from the ball. Uh, it's not three or four yards that you see uh, you might get away with in college or high school. You know, at this level, 
you know, pressure, you have to be, you know, affecting what the person on the ball is doing. So high pressure will be definitely uh, preached and definitely demanded uh, from the players mm. because it just makes it easier to defend as a team. Ezra, I want to take a step back for a moment and, and talk about what this uh, appointment means for you, the human being, because, you know, in, in this industry specifically, it's such a grind and it's so there's there's only so much room at the top. And, you know, your your experience and, and the, the stops you made along the way and the success that you've had, you know, at, at least for me, and you don't need to comment on this, the, the fact that this is your first opportunity, it's almost comical given how much you've been around this league and, and, and the success that you've had. But what what is this moment been like for you as a human being to sort of have this hard work and have all of these hours put in to the beautiful game finally sort of come to fruition in your first appointment as a head coach in major league soccer? Well, I'm, I'm grateful. You know, uh, I think I'm a big believer that nothing happens before it's time. Um, I grew up with grandparents who preach that, you know, just always work hard, no matter what, you know, nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is given to you. Just continue to work. And no matter if you might feel like, okay, you're deserving of something, you're never deserving of something until you actually get it. So that was always my attitude. Um, I saw a lot of guys get opportunities before me, but I never wavered from my focus, which was one day that would be me. And it's similar to if you're a player and you're not playing much, but you moan and you complain, oh, why is this guy playing before me? Why is this guy getting a chance before me? And then you spend so much energy complaining that you do get your chance and you go out there and you show the coach exactly why you had you on the bench all this time because you're not ready. All your focus, all your energy was just complaining. Uh, similar to this situation, you know, I wanted to make sure that I continue to work hard, continue to win championships. So it makes you more uh, valuable, so to speak. Um, and then make sure that when I do get my chance that I'm ready. And I think, you know, it's, I'm ready. Um, and like I said, nothing is deserving until you actually get it. So now that I have this opportunity, I just want to make the most of it. And I've prepared myself uh, that when it does come, whether it's 10 years, whether it's 15 years, that I'd be ready. And I think I'm ready for this. Ezra, in terms of influences, you and I first met back in 2010 in the Pacific Northwest, working for the Seattle Sounders. I was the voice of that team and, and you were on the coaching staff and, and you continued your long running relationship with Ziggy Schmidt, um, who we all miss dearly and we lost a few years ago. In, it's, it's just so sad. I'm still, I can still remember where I was when I, when I heard that news. Um, what sort of influence over you, the coach, did Ziggy have, and for that matter, Brian Schmetzer, who is uh, who is number one over there right now? Well, these guys are both mentors of mine. You know, Ziggy, you know, my teammates and my coworkers always called him my dad, you know, because we had this long-lasting uh, relationship from 1999 till, you know, he, he passed, unfortunately, back in 2018. So he, just someone that I watched as a, as a player, uh, watched the way he coached, watched the way he dealt with players, um, and just liked the way that he always knew everything about the team that we were playing against. Uh, I think that's why he was so successful in tournament tournament um, situations where there's where it's one-off games. Um, he always prepared and always knew everything about that other team. And and when you have a situation like the MLS where there's playoffs and it's it's, it's one and done, he was very very good at that. Hence all his his winnings in the league as well as back in college. Um, so 
just his ability to be successful, uh, the way he treated uh, players, and then joining him on his staff, he just, he always was a caring individual. He always looked out for his staff. He always, it was never me, 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 me. You know, you never heard him speak about Ziggy. It's always about his staff and what they do to help him. Um, he made us work hard, uh, but we saw the reward, you know, and, and he just loved to surround himself with successful people, but he made sure that uh, it was sustained success. You know, it wasn't a flash in the pan, you know, so he was always on the grind and he always made sure that we as coaches, you know, followed in that footsteps. There would be times where, you know, we would get emails at 1.30 at night from him, you know, and we'd come in the next mm -hmm. day. I would like, Ziggy, come on. You're going to see us in six hours. You know, you, this could have waited. Yeah. But that's just the way he was. That means he was up. He thought about it. And he, before he forgot it, he wanted to pass it on to us. And then Brian Smetzer, you know, the ultimate man manager, you know, the ultimate guy who knows how to get his team ready to play you know I, I I've learned a lot from him as on and off the field you know as as a man how to be a man how to be a gentleman you know how to be a professional you know he he was very influential in teaching me a lot of the things because he too was a player uh professionally and then you know he started at age 17 so he had a long you know playing career and then coaching so I learned a lot from from both of these guys and then you know there's Caleb from the last couple of years so I've been fortunate to be you know, associated with some very successful, uh, highly regarded coaches in this league. And, you know, I'd be a fool if I didn't take anything from these from these guys. Mm -hmm. And there, there were other coaches who maybe they weren't directly my head coach, but I learned a lot, you know, through the years from them. You know, guys like like Bruce Arena, I, I, I speak to and stuff and, and, and try to pick up things from him, you know, and sit, even sitting down with Sir Alex Ferguson at dinner and, and, and just listening to him and how he went about things, you know, so... There's been a lot of uh, people that have cro pa crossed my path and that I've picked up a lot of stuff from. I'm just right. impressed you could understand what Sir Alex Ferguson was saying. Right. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> when, it's someone of, when it's someone like that, you listen and you listen carefully. You listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> biggest, biggest takeaway from your, from your dinner with Sir Alex Ferguson, if you, can, if you can remember it? He always said that his trainings were so hard that Saturday mornings were easy for his players. So meaning you play, you play how you train. And if you, if your train is lackadaisical and it's, it's not intense, that's what you're going to see on Saturday morning. So basically make sure that how you want them to play on Saturday, you make sure that training is that intense. It's a theme training. Uh, and so when the players show up on Saturday morning, you know, usually has the, the better team, but it still was much easier for them because they had gone through such a rigorous training session uh, during the week. So that's something that I, I really, you know, listened to and, and learned from him that, you know, if, you, if your training sessions are not intense and the players are not expected to work hard, you're not going to be able to flip it on, on Saturday morning. So that that's one thing I remember. There are a couple other things, but I can't share on, on here. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Ezra, you, you talk about players and, and, you know, wanting them to, to perform a certain way, obviously. And, and that is going to be a result of how they train just in terms of, you know, this one might be a little bit more for the fans who, who might want to, you know, understand the Ezra Hendrickson, the personality a little bit, how do you envision sort of the, the locker room culture, you know, are players going to be allowed to be listening to music and sort of laid back? Is it going to be a little bit more, you know, of a, that like, is it going to be a little bit more strict? Like, how do you, how do you, how did you enjoy your time as a player? And then how do you want your locker room as a coach to look like um, with, with your players? 
uh, I think I call it serious fun. We're going to have fun, but when it's time to work hard and when it's time to be serious, you're going to see that. You know, um, I don't believe that every player is alike. Every player is the same. You know, some guys are rah-rah guys. You know, I, I got to let them be that, be that way. Some guys are going to be going around the locker room, you know, yelling and screaming and stuff before the games. Guys like myself, when I played, I just had my headphones on. I would listen to Bob and that would be enough for me. You know, I wasn't that guy that was going to go around, you know, fist bumping and going crazy. That's not my style. So I, there, was, there won't be no set way the locker room is going to be. But, you know, you're going to see guys who are well-trained, who are disciplined, uh, who knows their roles and who work hard, you know. Uh, so we're going to have fun. But when it's time to be serious, when it's time to work hard, we're going to work hard. But there's no set way the locker room is going to be. If a guy wants to listen to reggae, he can't. If a guy wants to listen to hard rock, whatever it is, whatever it takes to get you ready to go out and perform and do your job, then, then, then you know, have at it. An extensive Oasis back catalogue, if you'd like to borrow any of those uh, tapes, CDs, records for the okay. locker room. I, I am your man. I trust, um, <laughs> I trust you in the music. I trust you in the music. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Ezra. You know me. You know me. Um, I was going to ask you. Yeah, Oasis, nothing else. Um, I was going to ask you about players because Fire fans, uh, you know, this is the off-season now. The excitement is, is, is at fever pitch because I think everyone can see how exciting it is to have this club, to have a new crest, to, to play at Soldier Field, to, to have a great new coach in yourself. Uh, you know, everything is is trending upwards. Now, I know you can't reveal any state secrets about players that you might be recruiting, but how how much involvement will you have in the recruitment? And because you've been in MLS for so long, and Tyler and I have talked about this on the pod, the importance perhaps of the Fire's next coach having extensive experience of Major League Soccer, because teams that are successful in this league tend to be based on MLS vets, guys that know what they're doing in this league, because this league is like none other in world football, I don't think, in my experience. So, so how much involvement will you have on the on the on the players? Are we going to see maybe a re, you know reuniting with some some old teammates, some old some old players that you've had? What what's what's going to be the situation in terms of recruitment? Well, it's going to be a collaborative effort, and I think I spoke about this in the uh, interview in a press conference. Um, I trust, you know, George and Sebastian and Eddie and, and these guys, uh, but I will have some influence because um, at the end of the day, you know, we have to have players that are able to play the way I want to play. Uh, it's no sense just bringing in random players uh, without consulting the head coach. So uh, it's a collaborative effort and we're going to work as a team. We have been working uh, already and we have some guys in mind that, um, that fit our player profile. Now, are we going to be able to get all the players that we want? Probably not, but we are going to go out and try to find the players that are going to be able to play the style of football that me as a coach, my staff want to see um, and that the, fan, the fans are going to enjoy. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it's a, a result-based business. And so we have to win. So we have to make sure that we get the right pieces in uh, that's going to allow us the opportunity to, to be successful and to win some games because that's that's what matters in this in this you know in this league uh, in the sport in this business you know you can play uh, the beautiful soccer all you want you know if, if the results are not there uh, it's going to be difficult now we hope to hit the ground running and and be you know uh, top of MLS you know in five six months but we know that it's a process and it's going to take uh, 
players, you know, learning the system, learning. It's a new coach. It's like you said, it's a new environment. It's, it's, it's a new way of doing things. Uh, but I think uh, if the players trust you and they believe in you, they will uh, put in the work and we will be successful as a team. So and now is this going to be May, June, or is this going to be August, September? I, I don't know, but uh, the work is going to be there and you will see progress either way. But um, this will be a successful organization because we're going to do the right things and get the right players in uh, to make sure that that's the case. Ezra, you said in uh, one of your first sit-down interviews with the Fire that you wanted this team to, to sort of represent the city of Chicago. And this is sort of a, a double-sided question. What does that look like to you? And what were your experiences like playing against the Fire? Because you've been around this league for, for basically since, since the beginning, since 1997, a year before it a year after it started, excuse me. Um, so what are your experiences like coming to Chicago, playing against the Chicago Fire? And then um, the first part of the question, sort of what is what does the city of Chicago sort of mean to you and your experience and, and what the team's going to reflect? Yeah, well, my point about that was just uh, when you think of Chicago, you think of a very hardworking uh, blue-collar city uh, and the people uh, very, you know, self-made, you know, um, people that just worked hard. And that's what, you know, the reputation of this team is going to take on, you know, that of the city of Chicago. You're going to see a lot of players out there on a Saturday night that's just working hard, working together uh, for a common goal. Um, as far as playing against Chicago, we, you know, when I was with the Galaxy, as a player, there was a lot of <laughs> hard tough battles, you know. I'm sure the fans remember uh, Beasley uh, and just him being a left winger, myself playing on the right, as a right back for the Galaxy. We had a lot of uh, battles, you know, and every time we played Chicago, it was a battle. We knew it was going to be a fight, you know. They were just, you know, like that, a hard working team. And that's what I want to bring back to the team, to the organization is those teams from 98 or 2003 back, you know, when the fire were, you know, top of the league or uh, winning, winning trophies and stuff. And that's what uh, we have to bring back to this organization because the people deserve it. You know, I think it's a very big soccer market. It's very good fans. Um, it would be nice to have these fans on my side now for once. Uh, <laughs> times, you know, you could hear them uh, jeering at you and stuff like that. But, you know, I think if we do things right, uh, and we're working hard and we're showing progress. I think the fans will buy into it. And uh, I don't know any other way to work than, but to work hard uh, because that's the only way you're going to accomplish your goals in this business. You know, it's, you know, it, there's a lot of parity in the league. Um, and so you have to be up for every game and you have to play hard every game. You have to work hard every game. Players have to know uh, their roles, know what they're doing because you know, it's like I said, with the parity, you could, lose any game uh, as well as you can win, but you got to do the right things to make sure that you come out on the, the winning end of things more than you do the losing end of things. Ezra, so I've got three, finally from me, three quick fire questions for you. They don't require anything other than a yes or no answer. Okay. Catch up, yes or no, at the training ground? Yes. Fine, because it's such a massive thing over here. Antonio Conte came in at Spurs, banned all condiments, and really? players have gone crazy. Yeah, and, and then <laughs> it, domi it dominates press conferences yeah. because the next manager comes in and reinstates the ketchup. So that's but maybe, you know, that's maybe a... coming from a British uh, colony, uh, a former British colony. <laughs> maybe that's 
That's where That's I got why. the thing from. <laughs> you, you, you've already seen question three. Question two, suit or tracksuit on the sideline? Tracksuit. Unless it's MLS Cup and you might put a suit on for that. Yeah, maybe the first game yeah. and MLS Cup, but Got normally it. I, like to be, I like to be comfortable. First game, last game, yeah. Question three, and you just hinted at this, Tyler and I are after a hookup uh, in the St. Vincent and, and the Grenadines Islands because we're looking to do a few podcasts on location. Is that anything that you can help us out with? Definitely, definitely. My mom still lives on the island, so oh. anytime you guys are ready, just let me know, and she will cook a good food for you. Oh, all right. So when you go, if, when you go home, Ezra, and you're looking for like, you know, mom cooking you the best meal possible, what does that meal look like for you? Like, no, like it is your number one go-to comfort home food cooked by mom. Wow, man. She cooks so many good things, but she does a good baked chicken. Oh man. It's, it's amazing. What do we, what do we got for the sides with that? Well, we got, you have a salad, but you know, you have rice to go with it or you can have mm -hmm. like mashed potatoes or, or whatever. Um, Lately, you know, as I'm getting old, I'm trying to stay away from the carbs much, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe some some fresh steamed vegetables or something to go with that. But oh. the baked chicken is to die for. Baked chicken. We're not, letting, right. we're not letting ketchup anywhere near that dish, Ezra. No, so, no, no. It'll, it'll, it'll spoil it. Yeah. <laughs> so I heard, so, ketchup has its purpose. <laughs> yeah. Well, Chicago fans will want to know, Ezra, do you put, are you putting ketchup on a hot dog? I try not to eat hot dogs. There you, okay, that's fair. But if Good you answer. were. But if I were, Yes. Yeah. You oh boy, that might be your first controversial controversial statement uh, is in your tenure as Chicago Fire FC head coach. <laughs> they don't they don't do ketchup on hot dogs. Not, not really, no. no I mean, uh, like we're they, out of town, is Ezra. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, well, I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm exactly. Learning. Exactly. I'm sure, I'm sure. I'm sure a fan will let me know. Hey, don't don't we don't do that here. I don't I don't think we've made the decision yet on preseason. So if we're if we're feeling you know St. Vincent and the Grenadines as opposed to Orlando or L.A., then you know I certainly wouldn't be opposed to that. So Just if you want to put in a good word, let me know. Straight shot from Miami down. Ezra, this has been awesome for us just to, you know, sort of get to, for Arlo to reconnect with you, for me to, to meet you for a second time and to sort of take a deep dive um, into the mind of Ezra Hendrickson. We will have you back on the pod, uh, particularly when we start to play or maybe down um, in preseason, where, wherever that might be. We're hoping St. Vincent and the Grenadines, but um, you know, I, I assume <laughs> that that's probably a long shot at this point, considering it's, it's we're, we're, we're nearing preseason. We're getting very close, you know, because the World Cup's in Qatar in November, things are starting fast and furious. So, so there's, uh, there's a lot of work to be done, Ezra. We know you're a busy man. So we'll let you go. But thank you so much for coming on the pod. I'm sure the fans really appreciated this. And and like you, we're excited to, to get to work for the season to start and to see what this uh, what the Chicago Fire Football Club is going to look like uh, under Ezra Hendrickson. Thank you very much, guys. Oh!